And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Eric Mintel with us. Eric, you were telling us a story about a UFO that you saw with your girlfriend. Go ahead with that. Yeah, we were going over this bridge outside of New Hope, Pennsylvania, into Stockton, New Jersey. And I, we were going over the bridge, and, um, and we're going over the Delaware River. And I just happened to look up to my right, and all of a sudden, I just five orange orbs appear. And it looked like swirling lava. And um, so I'm looking at this. In my, in my rational brain, I'm, I'm saying to myself, well, could could these be Chinese lanterns or something? Because there's a mm-hmm. there's a restaurant nearby. Maybe there's a wedding going on. But then, I, and these this is in, within seconds of seeing this thing, and I'm like, well, no, because it's a Wednesday night. It's February. It's cold, and I don't think anybody's getting married. And here we're looking at this thing, and I was able to get one picture of it. But um, and it looked like they did a they appeared did a little search pattern type thing over the river. And then one by one, just disappeared. They just, like, you could see them petering out and disappeared. And I was able to get one picture. But it was one of the most strangest things that we've ever seen. And then I just got some video from another witness uh, with, again, the three points of light that, that appear. And they're moving. And then all of a sudden, they disappear. So... This phenomena is going on all over the world, and uh, that's something that we're we're really looking into as well. And again, it's just you know you you leave with with more questions like you know what is this? What is going on? Can you put your finger on anything about this? Well, I mean, John Keel had written about the living lights, you know, there where these lights just seem to appear and disappear, and that's one thing, you know. Or could it be? Could it be probes? Could it be like extraterrestrial probes? Mm-hmm. Could they be coming into our atmosphere and they're, you know, kind of like mapping out the area or checking out the area and then for whatever reason or whatever technology and then disappearing? Because these definitely were not flares or anything like that because it was, uh, I mean, they're not going to do anything over a populated area. And they were only a couple of hundred feet above the bridge that we were going over. So it wasn't, and they weren't high, like it would be like a star or anything like that. It was very low. Um, so that was, that was one thing. And it's, it's definitely a head scratcher, George. I mean, it's just like the, the more and more we're, we're getting this information. And again, I'm, I'm just going back to what John Mack had always said, that people are, certain people are being picked to see these events. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they've been singled out? I that that is the big mystery. Um, it could be several things. Um, it could be generational too. I'm thinking, you know, in thinking about this too, it's like maybe that particular family has had paranormal experiences, you know, over that generational period, and maybe it's just maybe it's a familial thing, you know, um, for whatever reason. Again, uh, what that could be, but yeah, there's a lot of ways you could look at i mean you could go down so many different rabbit holes with this uh you know different dimensions uh different portals i know that you know tom carey and i were talking and i know you you know this as well like the the roswell incident you know now people are thinking it could have been an extra dimensional you know event where we were seeing extraterrestrials it was us from the future um and so many just so many different theories about that um yeah, it's just fascinating. Could be time travelers from our planet. Exactly. Yep. Let's take some calls for you. This hour is going to fly by. We'll start by going to uh, Steve in Utica, New York. Welcome to the program. Hi, Steve. 
Hi, sir. How are you doing tonight? Great. Thank you. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Hello? Oh, Can I'm you... sorry. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I'm an airline pilot. I'm a, a captain with a, a major airline here. I'll be retiring here soon. Um, and I've been flying for the company for just a little over 25 years. And uh, the last uh, object I saw, I've seen three in my life, and I mean distinct. Uh, not, not I could have saw something. And the last one was in August of 2015, leaving Boise, Idaho at like 5 a.m. in the morning, uh, en route to Minneapolis. And um, it was a bad day, uh, thunderstorms all over the place. Uh, it was what we call IMC. I took off, and it was as soon as you get in the, get in the air, you rotate your IMC, which is here in the clouds. So we were climbing up, and finally it was just really bumpy. So I asked air traffic control, which was quiet at that time. because it's the middle of the night. I said, uh, what are the ride reports up ahead? And he says, uh, we don't know. Uh, you're, you're leading the pack. There's uh, American and Continental behind you. Um, okay, sir, thanks anyway. So we finally were flying along, and then I finally break out about five minutes later. Uh, we're 37,000 feet eastbound, and we break out of a bad weather. And it's like all of a sudden, hey, it's, it's, you know, nice. It's, it's still bumpy, but it's clear. So I reported back to... Uh, you know, the uh, air traffic control, I told him where it was so he can give a ride report to the people behind us. And then about maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes later, my first officer, who was in the Air National Guard at the time, and an F-15 instructor pilot as well, uh, he says, hey, Steve, uh, look over to the left about 11 o'clock at about five miles. And I look, and there's this giant silver, um, it looked, we were looking at a profile view, so it looked like a like a big Tic Tac. And, uh, and I said, uh, yeah, I wonder what that is. So I, it looked like a, you know, like a, the only thing I could assume was a blimp. So I called air traffic control and I said, uh, I thought you said we were leading the pack. And uh, he said, you are. I said, look to my left uh, about 11 o'clock, about five miles from me. And he said, I, I don't see anything. Jeez. I said, well, we're looking at it right now. And it's silver. It's as bright chrome as could be. The sun, the, the morning sun was just coming up. And uh, it was just unbelievable. As soon as I said that, this thing appeared in front of us. I mean, instantly. It was about five miles away, instantly in front of us, about two miles in front of us, huh. at the same altitude, matching our speed. Hmm. And then I, look, I looked at it. He looked at it. And then within seconds, it was like we saw it slowly move to the right, our hour right, and then boom, gone. And then... All of a sudden, I, I, I got on the radio and I told our traffic choice. I told him exactly what I saw, and I told him my name. I don't care. I defy anyone who says I'm crazy. And uh, uh, he didn't even respond. Air traffic control did not even acknowledge Jeez. the fact that I keep my mic. I was going to say, Steve, do they encourage you to make reports like this? No. In fact, um, very rarely do they speak about it, but when it happens, as if you're not even speaking. It's like you're not even in the room. And then all of a sudden, behind us was uh, the other air, uh, the other airliners, you know, about 20, 30 miles behind us. And then American Airlines uh, captain got on board and said, hey, uh, blank, um, one, two, three, our, our flight number, I see the same thing you're looking at. And then, and then Continental a couple of seconds later said the same thing. And then this thing wow. appeared in front of us again. Again, and they were like 20, 30 miles behind us. And as soon as he said that, this thing was in front of us. So I don't know if it was the same one or a different one, but this thing moved from left to right uh, over the next, I'd say, 15 minutes. 
miles in front of us, and the thing was as big as a football field. Um, hmm. it Huge. Looked, it looked like it was moving from our left to the right. Maximum. It, when you're in a cockpit, if you're at 37,000 feet, if you look completely to the left and then completely to the right, you're spanning about 300 miles. And this thing moved to those extremes within this seconds. Did you ever feel threatened, Steve, by these objects? Uh, that day I did. You uh, did? Only because I, it was so close. And I'm moving, you know, at, at uh, ground speed. Our ground speed was about 500 knots. Our airspeed was, you know, right around 260. True air, our true airspeed was about 450. But uh, wow. the thing is, um, a couple of years, well, about five years earlier than that, doing a military charter out of Wiesbaden, Germany, into uh, Anchorage, Alaska, going just, just south of the North Pole, and I mean by within a couple of hundred miles. And we, my, my, the first officer and I, we saw multiple, multiple. And, you know, back then I, I didn't say much about it. I didn't, I, there's nobody to talk to. We couldn't even get on the radio to talk to anybody. And uh, it was just amazing. So I have seen multiple occasions, on multiple occasions, lights in the sky or objects in the sky. But this last time in August of 2015 was amazing. And then my first officer a few days later um, called me on the telephone and said, hey, uh, Steve, Google and I said, Fargo, North Dakota. And, uh, you know, I, I forgot what he told me to Google, uh, you know, UFO in the, in, in the morning sky or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And I did. And there was, a, there was a photograph from some camera that, was, uh, that caught it. It looked exactly like the thing we were looking at in between two buildings, um, you know, out in the distance. You know, it was, it was like down, a, down this long road, and, and then the end of the street came, and the, the buildings were on the end of the street, and then this thing was passing by. Wow. And it looked, and it was the same morning. It was the same day. Steve, what percent of pilots do you think have seen strange objects like you did? That's an excellent question. Um, from the pilots I talk to, every now and then we'll be in the cockpit talking or, you know, in, in, in a pilot lounge or in a hotel, you know, uh, sitting somewhere meeting up with crews, um, I'd say about 50%. That's, that's What do you think of that size, Eric? Well, I think I was going to say, Steve, did you see any markings on it at all? No, no sir. It was, it, was as, it, was, it was like a the old-fashioned car bumper. It was, it was like chrome. It was just... And I could see that at certain times of day or at night, you might not be able to see this thing because it's reflecting um, It's reflecting images. I mean, it's like if it was close to the ground, uh, it's at night, here. I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to see it because it's reflecting the ground or lights on the ground or, you know, the way it was yeah. curved. It would be like a mirror. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve. Wow. It, it can't be our technology, Eric. It can't be. No. Not when, not when he's saying it's moving and, and, and he's looking out the window and it's got, you know, he's got a span 300 miles that he's looking at. And then all of a sudden it's coming right up to the, to the plane. There's, there's no, nothing that we have because the G-forces alone would just kill a human being with that, with that speed. What a great call. In the... Absolutely. And, and there you go again. And that's why I just said it's great that, you know, we're having these discussions and people like Steve, who are pilots who have had an incredible career that are coming forward and, and telling their stories that and, you know, and like he just said, years ago, there wasn't a lot of 
pl- you know places to talk to about this because you and and especially pilots were told not to make these reports. But you got somebody like Steve that's actually you know coming forward and and this is what we need more of people telling their stories. And he pilots. seemed very genuine, didn't he? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh totally. Yeah, we're we're good at discerning the BS from the truth. You know. Yeah, you're right. But you could hear you could hear it in his voice that he's still perplexed by what he what he encountered and i mean believe me i would be too man i mean you're seeing something that's otherworldly that you can't explain and and he's an experienced pilot i mean it's like you know he he's going to know aircraft but this is something that was out of his wheelhouse and and that's what we're finding more and more um especially and that was the other thing he would say it was chrome i'm wondering if scott if these things had that cloaking technology where you know, that's why we're not seeing them. They're there, but we're not seeing them. Let's go to AJ in Los Angeles, west of the Rockies. Hello, AJ. Hello. Uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, good evening. I was listening to the, the previous caller, the pilot, and how he had uh, those encounters in the Amazing. In the air. But I mm-hmm. also was picking up on what you said earlier about the generational, how they pick out certain people and uh, how they kind of, you know, uh, and, uh, how do you say, abduct these people or mess with these people in some kind of way. I've been digging into the subject matter myself for a long time, and and I come to the conclusion that some some of these things, or for the most part, they are spiritual, and uh, they're they're not exactly uh, otherworldly, you could say, from other planets. I believe that they've been here for a long, long time, just mm-hmm. like uh, the, the, the caller was saying. Um, but I believe it's more spiritual because um, I've I've dug I've dug into this, and um, there's been cases of these abductees, people that have. Uh, uh, called on the name of Jesus, and these and these entities leave, leave them alone completely. So there has to be something uh, when it comes to this type of, uh, uh, how you say, spiritual question. Well, you're not alone in that, AJ. There are a lot of people who believe that there's something biblical, something demonic behind some of these. Not all demonic, of course, but something very spiritual. And you've heard that too, Eric, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then you go back to in the Bible with Ezekiel seeing the, the object. He's, he, you know, for all intents and purposes in the Bible, it was a UFO sighting. Ezekiel's wheel, right? Exactly, exactly. And one of my one of my favorite shows, George, you probably remember this too, is Project UFO. It was created by Jack Webb. Yes. Who also, you know, did Dragnet. But at the beginning of that show would always say, you know, Ezekiel saw the wheel, and this is the wheel he said he saw. And it, that always stuck with me for years. But that's been something that's talked about, and, and definitely spiritual connections there. So, you know, he's definitely not uh, not off topic there, and that's and people are having these experiences and those spiritual connections uh, after they experience this this these objects or or these events. How would you categorize and rate your paranormal experiences and investigations, Eric, in terms of the UFOs, the cryptids, the ghosts? Where would you? put them in place of uh, interest? Uh, I would say right now uh, the, the cryptids, with the, especially with the dogman sightings that we've been encountering, uh, that would probably be number one. But a close second is the UFO phenomena. And third would be Bigfoot uh, that we experienced an encounter in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. In, uh, it was actually a week after we came back from Elkhorn that we experienced this this Bigfoot in New Jersey in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. So, yeah, the cryptid Dogman number one, uh, UFOs two, and you know Bigfoot uh, and ghosts would be four. 
but uh you know that's that was how i would rate it and uh yeah i mean it's and each one of those uh we've had experiences with and when are you going back to wisconsin we're going back this september so september 28th through october 2nd if you see anything make a little report for us okay you will be the first one to know, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, now, we're going to do a very thorough video this time. Are you going to be spending the night outside? Oh, yeah. We are going to be, George, we're going to be in the corn this time. Oh, boy. Is gonna be, yeah, this is going to be a lot different. Um, and believe me, we're going to be protected. But, uh, you know, this is the thing. So we need people to pray for us for our safety because uh, it's it's a dangerous situation that we're in. This is nothing... We take nothing lightly about this. Uh, and like I said, Lee Hample has been getting a lot of uh, incredible evidence and, uh, and continues to do so. So it's just something going on there that, uh, that's just otherworldly. Eric, you've got a Facebook presence, and tell us about your website. Yes, um, it's uh, Eric Mintel Investigates on Facebook. And uh, they can find me on Eric Mintel on my regular page as well, because I, I post a lot of stuff both paranormal and music, uh, being a professional jazz musician, as we mentioned before. And then um, uh, our YouTube channel is Eric Mintel Investigates. I encourage people to go check that out. Uh, We've got about 80-some-odd videos there that we've been doing little documentaries of. Um, And if anyone has a smart television, they can uh, add Central New Jersey Network to their uh, channel list, and they can watch me every Saturday night at 11 o'clock. Is your paranormal team the same as your quartet for the jazz group? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, that would have been that would have they been different. Yeah, they, they don't want to have anything to do with that. Um, no, they. You know, it's funny because the guys in my group, uh, we've been together so long, but it's it's definitely separate from the paranormal to the to the jazz. But no, my team member Dominic Sattel, uh, our team right now is Dominic Sattel. He's a spirit medium as well. And uh, we've got Ellen Collins, who's our researcher. She's out in Wisconsin. Uh, her son, Scott, it does our camera work and drone work. Um, but Dominic and I have known each other since high school. Okay, and, great. We're going to come back and take some final calls with you, Eric, in a moment on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to our final segment with Eric Mintel as we are talking about, of course, the strange, unusual, and paranormal. Would you say that that situation in Wisconsin was the scariest moment for you in your investigations, Eric? Uh, yeah, I would probably say scary, but but fascinating at the same time. Uh, yeah, it was just you know something that we just and we're still wrapping our heads around. You know, almost uh, what almost two years later. Have we ever heard of a Bigfoot attacking anybody? You know, I don't think so. Um, I mean, there was a report back in the 1800s, but again, you can't really corroborate what that was all about. It was just a story of, you know, guys that were attacked at a campsite. They were going through the forest, and and one guy, I guess, went into the woods, and he he came back. And the other, there was another guy at the campsite, and when the other guy came back to the campsite, this guy was completely torn to pieces. Could it have been Bigfoot, or could it have been? A grizzly bear, you know, you don't know, but they said it right. was a a bipedal creature. Um, well, well, a bear would you know, a bear can stand up. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it could have been that. I mean, uh, you know, but most of the reports that you you see and hear nowadays, they're 
Bigfoot's more afraid of us or more curious about us as we are about it. Absolutely. Norman St. Louis, get us rolling here, Norm. Go ahead. Good evening. Uh, how you guys doing? Great. Good. Uh, I got a comment about the UFOs and then a question on the Bigfoot. Uh, okay. On the UFOs, uh, I, I, I've, I'm an open-minded person, so I've always kind of op- been open to the possibility, you know, whatever. And, yeah, you, you're seeing a lot more pilots and whatnot, even military people coming forward. And I personally have seen a handful of myself, not an alien, but UFOs. So that that comes pretty easy for me. But I don't think they're malicious or malevolent because they're demonic or whatever, because if they were with that technology where they can zip left and right and fast and this, they probably got weapons that we don't have, like maybe not like nukes and that sort of thing or smart bombs, you know, like come out of it, uh, but maybe some kind of technology to shut off your electronics and make the plane crash. So why wouldn't they, when they're going up with these pilots and everything, and they're 200 feet away or something, why didn't they knock them out? Or when they abduct people, they must have went somewhere and came back, you know? So in other words, if they were had wrong intentions, whatever they were doing with the people, maybe breeding, who knows? But they bring them back safe because the people talk about it. So they went somewhere and came back safe. So I, I nix on the level. Uh, but then on the... Uh, my my question on like Bigfoot and this kind of could go with aliens too. So I just kind of directed at your guess, but people I take my hat off to people that can dedicate their life to this kind of thing. But if in the event you could tranquilize one, say say you got close enough to tranquilize an alien or a, a, a Bigfoot Yeti, whatever, mm-hmm. and then what what what's the purpose of doing that? Uh, do you take it back and make a pet out of it? Do you take it to the? Do you try to profit off it like the animal man? Well, I think you know, the thing is, with our investigation in of Bigfoot in the Pine Barrens, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that have definitely dedicated their life to to invest, you know, investigating, researching this creature. But our experiences in the Pine Barrens that night, uh, it was amazing because. I had always saw these programs where people are whooping and hollering, you know, about, you know, this is this is how Bigfoot sounds. And I'm and I always had to chuckle and say, really, is that what they sound like? Well, that night we were sitting there talking to the researchers. We were about five miles into the Pine Barrens, not a soul around, no houses, completely isolated. We went about 500 feet into the woods. We set up a base camp and we're talking to the uh, researchers within five minutes of getting there. And I'll be damned if I didn't hear a whoop coming from the from the woods. And then the researcher's wife, uh, Eric Spinner, was with us that night. His his wife answers it back, and they're having a conversation. This and you could see it on our video. It's called uh, it's called on the watch for Squatch, and it, basically it's our investigation to the Pine Barrens Bigfoot because they've been having a lot of uh, a juvenile Bigfoot sightings. And it sounded like a like a higher pitched whoop. So here she's answering it back, and you could hear it all right on our video. So that was amazing. And again, it changed my whole perspective on what's out there. Uh, to answer your question, as far as making it a pet, no, <laughs> uh, I think there. You know, it would be fascinating to research. You know, one of these things could it be the missing link? Uh, you know, are these creatures living underground? Are they? 
why can't we see them, you know, when they're there? You know, like a deer, when you're see- looking at a deer, sometimes it's there and you can't see it because it blends in so well. You know, could this, could these, could this creature have some kind of, you know, uh, cloaking technology? We just, you know, George, here's another story real quick. We got a, a report from a woman um, in Wisconsin who saw this creature, but she said as this thing got closer to her, it started getting harder to see, and it was like pixelated. Hmm. And this is, the, this is the same thing that's happening with Lee's trail cams, where this, this creature's there, but it's hard to see that it's there. So, again, could this be some kind of – and, oh, in the hair samples that Lee's got, if you put them under a microscope, they're completely translucent. So, it, you know, that's the other thing. Does this thing have some kind of cloaking ability? Um, and that's something we're looking into as well. And that could be also for the Bigfoot. So, yeah, it would be, it would be great to be able to research and, and, and study this thing. But that's the thing. No one's – it's so elusive. It's there, you could hear it, but we can't see it. Same thing with with the UFOs. They're there, but sometimes we just can't see them. Did you ever investigate the Mothman stories, Eric? Haven't done that yet, George. Um, That's something that I definitely want to look into. But I do, there is a case that has always fascinated me, which is kind of like similar, well, you know, it's similar to the Mothman, but it's not the Mothman. It was the uh, story of injured cold which I'm sure you're familiar with, and, yeah. uh, you know, in 1966, where this uh, Wa- uh, Wally Derenberger saw this UFO, came right about the side of his car, and hovered in the air, and came down, and a guy came out of this craft that looked, you know, for all intents and purposes, like a regular guy. But again, they're going back, and a lot of these reports are going back to that could have been the Mothman. Uh, but again, the Mothman is, is a different type of creature, too. Um it's a winged it's a winged creature so there's a lot of different discrepancies there but uh but it's all in that particular west virginia area next up james in virginia is with us hey james go ahead sir yeah thanks a lot appreciate it hey uh, you let me say my name my book before is it okay to say it again it's it's to do with current times absolutely i appreciate that very much it says blessed with it's blessed with an angel and a rainbow and and it's about uh, Jesus' love for uh, both humans and their animals, and and I appreciate that very much. Uh, I I wanted to make sh- mention though that in the Bible, if you stick with the Bible, you can't go wrong because that's the rock, you know. And all all uh, when Satan's taken at the end uh, before when he when he's taken away, after, I believe it's after anyway when he's captured, it says that he who deceived the whole world, and and if you go to the great apostasy. Um, it says here, uh, stand fast. It's just rest before that, it says, uh, I'm sorry, a little, a little uh, off here, but and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they may, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but the but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So, God apparently is able to uh, send people delusion in their minds because they didn't accept Jesus Christ uh, as their Lord and Savior soon enough that they may not be able to uh, see the truth later. So these deceptions that are being put on people from heavenly places that are from apparently dark zones in heavenly where, where evil comes from some in the, uh, in end times, that 
that, those UFOs and that. And I know they. I know there was a UFO when when there was a football game with Tim Tebow. We had the halo over the football stadium, and I think it was 2012. It's on the internet. Just type in Tebow and Halo, and you'll see a a, a, pair, a lady who uh, was interested in UFOs. There's a UFO going under the halo. And she she said well, she wanted to know if anybody knew what that UFO was because that's what she did. Well, apparently there's UFOs that are uh, good UFOs and evil UFOs. And I remember in Buell uh, Planetarium, my, parent, my mother took me to one uh, to, her, to her brothers and sisters, brothers anyway, to uh, Buell Planetarium years ago when I was a little kid. And they had on the ceiling all the constellations, and you'd lay back and watch. And they had a show, a showing of all the. Bible times when they had UFOs that had crosses on them and UFOs, I think, had circles on them and how they were doing battle up in the sky all those times. So we're in a very, we're in a, we're in a, we're in like a, you know, we're down below here and they're all, they're all invisible to us. So, but, but there's a strong deception at the end. So, Let's get Eric's take on that, uh, Joe. Yeah, I, well, I, you know, I, I'll tell you, my faith's really strong. So I, you know, I, I kind of agree and, and kind of disagree there, but, I will tell you one story real quick about uh, my – he was talking about angels. and uh, So I, I think this is a guardian angel story. And um, real quick, I was going to a gig as a jazz musician. I'm a piano player. And I was going to a gig one night. This was back in 1997. And I'm traveling along. I'm trying to get to the gig. And it's, it's – I think it's like around January. It's, it's dark at 5 o'clock. So the gig was at 7 o'clock. It's around 6 or so. So I'm traveling along, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this deer runs out in front of my car, and I hit it. And I just couldn't do anything to avoid it. And I hit the thing, and we're going about, and I slid like 60 feet along with this deer. And I felt terrible. I get out of the car, and I'm looking at this thing. I'm standing in front of the car. The headlights are on, and I see this thing. It's right there, and it's dead, and I feel terrible. And out of the out of the dark behind me a woman i hear a woman's voice and i'm getting goosebumps talking about it she says how's your hands and wow I was like, what and i turned around and here a woman and you know when you look at somebody when they come into your car lights right they're like a it's like blurry but this is was a woman and she was uh in like blurry uh in all in white but what the, the most bizarre thing was, she took this 200-pound deer by the ear and dragged it off the road like it was nothing. And she said, you better get in your car and get off the road. Superwoman. And, yeah, or something. But I got in my car, and uh, I told the guys at the gig what happened, and they were, like, freaked out. And I went back there the next day thinking maybe there was houses around or something. that Maybe yeah. there's somebody there. But I went back. In that particular stretch of road, there's no houses. It's all woods. There's nothing there. So I would say that it was not a ghost story per se, but it was a guardian angel story. Um, but, yeah, very, very bizarre. I've never forgotten about that. Let's see if we can squeeze Sherry in from Texas. Go ahead, Sherry. Thank you. Thank you, George. Yeah, I've been expecting more of a presence because America has been concerned uh, about nuclear threats. And I understand that they disabled, they disabled warheads. They can do that, is, yeah. Yeah, and I saw one recently, so I wasn't surprised. But I'm, I live kind of um, eye level with the hills that separate me from town, and uh, and I saw something traveling from. The, it, I was just looking out because the setting sun was so pretty. It was all blue and clear up above, and then down below <clears throat> it was this bright strip. This very dark. Our setting sun at this time of year has just been radiant, 
And um, I saw something traveling east to west at this incredible speed. George, I've never seen anything. It caught my eye because it, 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 was, it was flying in a space just above that bright strip, and it, it reflected, the color reflected on, it must have been metal, you know, on the craft. So I saw this thing coming, and it just, I mean, I live in the country, and I've seen birds traveling fast. But this had to go 200 miles in like yeah. a second and a half. This was no like, bird, Sherry, to be sure. Eric, yeah. we're wrapping things up, but it's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I believe her because I saw the same thing years ago. That's strange stuff. Again, get out your website and Facebook, if you would. Absolutely. It's uh, Eric Mintel Investigates on Facebook. And please like and follow our page and also on our YouTube page, uh, like and subscribe to Eric Mintel Investigates on YouTube. Uh, lots of videos, very compelling evidence you'll see on the videos. And uh, the way we're presenting our material, it's uh, it's fun and serious at the same time. Super. Eric, thanks again, and good luck on your investigation. Stay safe, my friend. For Dan Galanti, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean LaDessore, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burroughs, Tim Banal, George Napanee, and Punnett, I'm George Norrie, somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.